This is the Champions Coffee Podcast on the Vigo Podcast Network. On this show, we take 20 minutes to celebrate the champions behind higher education student support and experience. These are the individuals who are pushing the boundaries and changing student lives on a daily basis. And we get to hear their stories and their visions for the sector. Hello world and welcome to the Champions Coffee podcast where every week we have coffee with an education professional who is out there on the front lines championing students to be all that they can be. Uh, this is episode 19 and I am your host Ben Hallett. I am the co-founder and CEO of Vigo. Uh, for those of you who do not know Vigo, Vigo is the social education platform that helps educators connect their students to their mentors, tutors, counselors, advisors and everything in between. And at Vigo, we believe in celebrating the professionals who make all of these support services and experiences tick, which is why that we do this podcast. Today, we are joined by Michael Burgess. Michael Burgess, uh, he joined Western Sydney University in February 2016 as the Chief Student Experience Officer, which is a title that I think every single university should have. And he brings more than 20 years of leadership experience in con complex consumer environments. Michael, he is a creative innovator with extensive experience in business strategy, customer experience, marketing communications, digital strategy, brand development, data analytics, everything that you need for student success. And I really think that it is Michael's commercial leadership, which is quite diverse, you know, everything from Weight Watchers through to uh, NRMA, uh, that really makes Michael uh, special at Western Sydney Uni. So Michael, I'm so glad to have you, mate, welcome. Hi Ben, good to see you. And yeah, in summary, I'm 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 a weird commercial guy who's sort of <laughs> hanging around in higher education. Uh, I think we need more of that, mate. I'm so glad to have you, mate. To get started, because I know we always run over in this podcast, so I'm going to get straight to it on this one. But I'd love to just kick start with a little bit more on you. Um, what life experiences motivated you to enter the education space uh, from that corporate uh, commercial world? Yeah, well, a couple of things actually. Um, uh, I've had a, a I think a blessed career and I've worked in some really interesting um, uh, different spaces, different environments and um, uh, particularly my, my last role, uh, you know, did a lot of work on disruption and understanding what's happening in the world and I was part of a global innovation team looking at how we could uh, potentially disrupt ourselves to uh, navigate through, you know, all of the challenges that disruption uh, provides for us. And there was one sector that stood out for me that hasn't been disrupted yet, and that's education. And it, yet you look at all of the settings, you look at the, the money involved, you look at the growth, you look at the incumbents and the way that things have uh, or are done and typically haven't changed for a long period of time. And you go, this is ripe for disruption. So I thought that I could certainly apply my experience and skill set to help an organisation navigate through. Um, and the other thing, and to be honest with you, I had, I had no intention and the last thing I thought was I'd be working in higher education, but um, I had some really interesting uh, uh, conversations with Western Sydney. And one of the things that I loved about Western Sydney was uh, the social purpose and what we do at scale to help so many students onto a life that um, certainly a lot of their um, you know, parents and grandparents could only ever have, uh, have dreamt of having. You know, we've got 65% first in family at, at Western and, um, and so there's a, a dimension there which I think is really fulfilling. Wow, yeah, totally, totally agree with you. Um, and same thing from the, the tech side, exact same reason I got into education. The, the ability to impact so many lives at scale and you know, the upcoming seemed obvious that this is the, this is the market to get them the one of the last monolithic markets to really go through its uh, digital disruption. 
I think, I, think, I think it's our responsibility. You know, these students pay an extraordinary amount of money. Um, what we are doing is hopefully setting them up for life, which is a huge responsibility. And I think that there is an opportunity for us to do that in much more effective uh, ways. So, yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a really yeah. important task. 100%. And I guess, you know, I'd love to get a bit more of a rundown of, you know, how do you think about student experience and success uh, at Western Sydney and how is that currently playing out with you and your team? Um, so how we look at it is in its entirety. So, and what I mean by that is student experience isn't something that sits in a particular function, in a particular hierarchy, in a, mm-hmm. in a particular part of the organisation. The student experience is the student experience. And it's multifaceted, it's incredibly complex, uh, and the university delivers an experience which is made up of a whole lot of different component parts. So in my role as Chief Student Experience Officer um, and, and, and for our team, I think our responsibility is to understand that experience in its entirety, to help to guide and, and provide some sort of guardrails as to where we want to take it, and to, to work with our colleagues to collaboratively work out how we can deliver an improving and optimised experience over time. So we may not deliver sort of teaching and learning, we may not deliver many of the other services in the organisation, but we see ourselves as being the custodians of the entirety of the experience and bringing that together. Which is a, you know, a departure from the way a lot of big complex organisations work, where they kind of work within their own function and will only look at it from that perspective. So um, we unapologetically are taking that sort of that fully integrated view of the world. And most importantly, starting with the student and getting that deep understanding from the student's perspective. Mm. And I have to ask, uh, you know, the role title, uh, Chief Student Experience Officer, it's not one you see commonly, uh, as I was mentioning before the call, I don't think I've seen it uh, before at another uni. Now, what was what was the intention behind uh, using that title and, and bringing that title in? So I've got to thank uh, Angelo Curtis for this. This was really his uh, um, his vision to, to include a role like this. And I think, and I think it was very clever because you know, and I'm, I'm not huge on titles for the sake of titles, but I think this particular title sends a very clear message. Uh, you know, we have at, at the core of our, our strategy to be distinctively student-centred. Well, that's fine. Um, but it's how you demonstrate that. And I think by having a role such as Chief Student Experience Officer and to give it the latitude that my role has demonstrates very clearly and sends a very strong signal to the organisation that we take student experience uh, seriously. Now, it's more than just signalling, it's then actually delivering on that. Um, so I think, you know, that, that was the origins of it. It was, and I think also it's, it's bringing in a little bit of that sort of commercial realm into, into the role, um, which, which, you know, ultimately makes sense. At the end of the day, students are consumers and they're consumers across every category. They don't distinguish between them as we do, mm. and therefore we need to start thinking of it in that context and how we can deliver an experience which is the equivalent of the experience they're getting elsewhere because that's what they're expecting. Yep, hundred percent, hundred percent. All right, mate. Well, I mean, I'd love to dive a little bit into you know, is there when you think about student success and experience and all the work that you've been doing over over the mm. last uh, we're talking six years now. 
Um, you know, is there a particular student success story that you and your team were particularly proud to be involved in, or you know, really a moment when you look back and said, "We got it right," you know, that particular time for sure. Yeah, I'm I'm a hard taskmaster, and I kind of don't like to focus too much on what. I mean, it's good to celebrate what you got right, but then it's then it's even better to think about what we could do better next time or how we could improve further. But you know, I think one thing that we've um, uh, celebrated and for very good reason is the way that we, the university, responded to the whole COVID um, uh, nightmare that we've all been through. And yeah. and I know a lot of universities have done great great work in this space, um, but I think Western really demonstrated. Uh, what's at the heart of the university and what runs in the DNA of this place. And that is, I think that, you know, there is something a bit different and a bit special about this organisation and the way that um, we genuinely care about our students. So throughout the whole COVID um, piece, and I know this very well because I also um, led our uh, crisis management team for my sins, um, we uh, supported over 7,000 students through what we call our Western Success Program, which is our, which I could talk to you for hours about, which is our new sort of take on um, uh, sort of the advise, the advisor model plus. Um, and it's, it, we, we went from having a pilot of 1200 students standing up this new Western Success capability. And within the space of two weeks, we'd scaled that up to 7,000 students and going from five staff to 65 staff <laughs> the organization. Wow. And we provided, particularly for our international students, we provided a level of care and support that was profound to them. And, um, you know, the feedback we got from that was, was outstanding. Um, we had a, a staff assistance fund. Um, we've spent over $3 million on supporting our, our students through all of that. Mm. Uh, you know, it, I, I could go on about it, but I, but I think in, in sort of summing it up, um, it was a demonstration of what really sits at the heart of the university and how we can respond in ways that make profound impacts on students who are going through a hell of a time. Mm. Oh. That's one of many. I could talk about many yeah. and quite often, you know, some of the, some of the best um, highlights are individual stories you hear. You know, it's the one student who was in this particular circumstance that a staff member helped out in a certain way. It's you know, it's all of those human stories because at the end of the day, our, our students are human. University is a very complex, sometimes messy, challenging yeah. stage of their lives. And, uh, and I think us being able to assist them through that is, is kind of what we're here for. Mm. Oh, awesome, mate. So nice to, uh, I guess, be, yeah, we're not through COVID yet, but you know, through a significant portion of it so that we can look back at, you know, what we did do. It's, I think the last two years, it's I've just felt in the thick of it, but it's nice that we can start to reflect back. Um, no, I, just on that, you know, putting on my kind of corporate hat for a moment, I think there is things that we can certainly reflect on at a, at a sort of organisational level as well, um, because mm -hmm. I can tell you one thing that we've demonstrated to ourselves is we can do things very, very differently. In a, in a very positive way. And, mm. uh, you know, universities are big, complex, often bureaucratic beasts. Mm -hmm. um, you know, one thing that that's, they're quite often criticized for is the fact that they haven't changed a lot over, for mm. a long period of time. Mm. Uh, what we prove to ourselves is we can change very quickly. Mm -hmm. We can get through all the bureaucracy. We can get through all of that stuff and we can do things in a very different way. So I think that there's, mm. 
a bit of self-belief that's come out of this as there needed to be because the world around us is changing rapidly and we need to change with it. Mm. Um, so I think that's another real positive to come out of, out of the pandemic and we've got to be very careful not to lose sight of that or to forget about the fact that we can mm. do things. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's a really good point. You know, in pre, pre-2020, do you think if someone said you had to scale out that team by 13 times, six to 65, do you think you would have believed them? <laughs> Um, I would have given it a go, but I, I would have been—I would have thought it would be a lot more challenging. Yeah, no, I think I think most people would have said you're dreaming. Yeah. Yeah. Oh wow. Well, okay. Moving on. Um, so, I guess I want to move on to what's next. You know, we've we're through the thick of COVID. Um, what does the next five years look like in your mind? You know, not just necessarily Western Sydney Uni, although happy to stay there, but even more broader when it comes to student experience uh, in higher education, where will we be in five years? What do you think? Um, I think we're going to go through profound change. Now, whether it's five years or 10 years, I, I, you know, we could argue about the, the time frame, but I don't think that's important. I think what is important is that this sector is um, not, only, not only going through change, but that change has accelerated greatly, um, largely off the back of COVID. You know, year on year, there's what, 20 billion in, in VC funding in, in education every year happening. Now, what's coming out the end of that sort of pipeline isn't lecture halls and, you know, big buildings and car parks and, and the old way of doing things. It's a profoundly different experience and a profoundly different product. Yeah. So I think what we're going to see is a lot of new entrants entering and I think we're going to see um, uh, the more responsive traditional institutions starting to respond in more innovative ways because what's happening is we're being challenged by something we've never really had to worry about before and that's market forces. Yeah. And the sector is no longer the 42 universities, it's much broader and as we shift to this sort of whole of life uh, learning approach, you're going to get a lot of a lot of organisations popping up. You already are getting organisations um, entering the fray who are delivering a very different product. Um, we've got to do, I mean, look at what the big, big tech guys are doing uh, uh, in the US. Um, you know, I've spent quite a bit of time over there in the last few years, largely focused on technology. And one of the things that struck me um, uh, when over in the Pacific Northwest is they talk about the uh, deficit of um, of data engineers and you know those sorts of skills in the in the tech space. Now, markets don't wait for educational institutions to catch up and deliver what they want. Mm. They fill that gap, and that's exactly what's happening. Look at Google certificates. Look at the, all of these other innovations. You know the fact that Google will now uh, equate a Google certificate to be the equivalent of a four-year degree tells you something. And there's about 150 other tech firms who are doing the same thing. Mm. So I think that's a, a, a kind of an example of how we're starting to see shifts in uh, in this is this sector. So mm. in five years time, things can be very different. I think the student experience is going to be very different. And I think it's things like student experience that are going to differentiate um, the leaders of the pack. Whereas at the moment, if we're being honest about it in the university sector, it's almost completely undifferentiated. Mm, that's a really good point. As you're saying that, it's making me think of, um, you know, Netflix being a, a DVD mail out service and then you know, I don't think the entertainment production houses of Warner Brothers were quite worried about them at that point. 
Uh, but look, look who's winning the uh, the Emmys now. <laughs> so, Absolutely right. Uh, all right, mate. Well, um, I'd love to jump into, this is probably my favorite uh, question. What's a common misconception that you hear within the student experience space? Um, I would say the most common misconception and the most damaging one is it's the student's fault. Mm. Now, whether that's overtly stated or not, I think quite often we historically have looked at things like academic performance and, you know, the inference will be, well, it's a student's fault. They shouldn't have been doing the course in the first place. They shouldn't have been doing this unit. They haven't worked hard enough, whatever it happens to be. Mm. And I think that that's a fundamental challenge for organisations is to change their thinking on this and say, hang on, we need to kind of rethink this. Mm. Let's try and get a deeper understanding for, for why the outcomes are being delivered that are being delivered. Mm. Um, and then let's get to the root cause of them. And I think what you find there is if you get to the root cause, well, quite often it's not the student. Mm. Um, at the end of the day, this is a partnership and we're the ones who are delivering the service which is meant to deliver the outcomes for them. If they're not getting the outcomes, well, we've got to look at ourselves as well, right? So, mm. um, so I think that's the biggest one. Mm. Um, and I think a lot of that's cultural. I think culture kind of uh, trumps everything. And so getting the cultural settings right is incredibly important. And then getting a, the understanding right is incredibly important as well. And if you get those two right, then you can start to respond and start to address a lot of those underlying issues. Mm. No, you, know, you, look at, you look at, sorry, you've got me on one of my roles now, but you look at, <laughs> um, uh, look at completion rates among students and they're mm. really low. Mm. Um, now the government state quoted stats don't take into account because that's typically from census date, but if you take the sort of 15, 20% who have tried it before you even get to census date, mm. there is a hell of a lot of students who do not complete their studies. Mm. It's very easy to say, we'll blame the students for that. I think we've got to kind of look at ourselves and say, what role have we got to play in that? Yeah, yeah, and I think on that sort of commercial side, you know, if, if customers are failing to get through checkout, is the uh, is um, you know Amazon going to be blaming the customers or thinking about what they can be doing differently? <laughs> and um, you know we're not about maximising shareholder returns, but we are about delivering to our mission. Yeah. And our mission is to uh, help every student to succeed. Um, so if we're not helping every student to succeed, then we're not delivering to our mission. Yeah. But secondly, there's there is a kind of competitive reality to this as well, and that is. The organisations that can better do that and can deliver better success outcomes will drive greater customer advocacy, which will lead to future enrolments, stronger brand standing and all of the rest of it. So there is a, a commercial imperative in, in dealing with this as well as I think a, uh, a moral obligation as well. I agree. And I think, I think in that and, and kind of combining that with your with your five-year, ten-year look at the, uh, you know, what's ahead in the disruption and the other players, I, I think we, we, we can't just look for incremental wins. We need, we need 10x wins, uh, mm -hmm. so that we can stay ahead of this curve and stay relevant. Incrementalism is the enemy in this context, yeah. I think. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, mate. Well, 
I love this next question. Who inspires you in the education space and why? Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cheat and give you two answers here. Um, okay. Our students inspire me. Uh, and I'm going to talk specifically about Western students because every time I meet a student, I meet lots of them, I, I just can't help but be impressed by so many of them. And so many of these kids have come from challenging backgrounds and they haven't had the privilege that so many of us have had. And yet to see their attitude and to see what they deliver and the outcomes that, 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 that they realise, um, I find that inspirational. So that's that's one part of the answer. Okay. At, a, at a sort of category level, I'd say um, someone who I've been incredibly impressed with and I think is an inspiration to the sector is... Um, uh, Tim Rennick from uh, Georgia State University. And if you look at what he did uh, with his team over time, over the last 15, 20 years with Georgia State, uh, to take them from where they were to where they are today, I think is an extraordinary story. And I know that they're celebrated, but so they should be. But what, what I find really impressive about Tim is he's just continuing to drive that. Um, and, I, and I think that's a great thing, you know? And, and they had that moment, he talks about it. They had that epiphany where they went from kind of blaming students to sort of pausing and going, hang on, maybe we need to have it ourselves. Okay. All right. I'm going to have to look into Tim. I will do that. And uh, finally to sign off, uh, and this, we might actually get within 25 minutes here. Uh, this is, this is the first, uh, but what is, what is some advice or encouragement that you would give to a student about to begin at WSU, um, you know, about to begin their journey, 2022? Um, reach out, ask questions, seek help. I think universities, I've got, I've got a, my oldest daughter is, uh, has just embarked on the university journey. So it's interesting kind of looking through the lens as a parent mm. and you know what, all of the challenges that our students experience, she's experiencing as well. Mm. And that's what I say to her is reach out, you know, mm. you're paying good money to go to this institution, seek their help. Yep. And if you don't get the answer you want, push harder. Mm. Um, I, I think that would be my number one bit of advice. I think, you know, jump into it head first. You know, as we know, okay, it may not be quite as much uh, fun as it used to be when I went to uni way too many years ago, but, <laughs> you know, university is a, is a really special time in your life and there's a whole lot of things uh, to be gained from it. And I, I would suggest that you kind of get in and embrace it. Mm love that have high expectations of the institution absolutely right and hold them to account right? yep. we should all be held to account mm. all right mate well i'm uh, i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna call us there that's 22 minutes so we've come to the end michael thank you so much uh for, for, we're supposed to be having coffee i think we actually forgot to establish that at the beginning but uh, <laughs> thanks for chatting with me mate and sharing your stories your uh, advice and your visions this has been episode 19 of Champions Coffee Podcast. Uh, thank you for everybody who is listening to this in post. Uh, if you'd like to find more episodes, you can do that through subscribing to our uh, the Vigo LinkedIn channel or subscribing to the podcast channel as these are now going up on uh, Spotify, Apple Music and all the, uh, the, uh, the major podcast platforms. So you can subscribe there as well. But thank you everybody for listening and thank you again, Michael. Thanks very much, Ben. Cheers, mate.